the Lord. This morning from the first chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 6 through 8, then 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the word of God for the people of God. So this morning we have these religious officials coming out from the city to interview John, to ask him a few questions. Who are you? That is what they want to know. Who are you? You hear their conversation in verse 19 through 22 after they ask him, who are you? The text says that John confessed and did not deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? What would you say about yourself? If some came and asked you, who are you, religiously, spiritually, who are you? What would you say about yourself? How would you describe the person of faith that you are? Now, nobody's confusing us, I don't think, with the Messiah, nor Elijah, or even a prophet, probably. But might they confuse you? As one who is a disciple of Christ, a follower of His, would they have an inkling that maybe you were one who was a disciple of Jesus Christ? I read a study recently. It was a cross-cultural study. They asked hundreds of people to write 20 statements about themselves that started with, I am They said they found with Americans, the trend was they wrote about internal, personal, psychological characteristics. They would say things like, I am happy, or I am outgoing. But the other group they were asking were East Asians, and they found that their trends went in a different direction. 
they wrote mostly statements about the roles they play in society or the relationships they have that weave the fabric of their lives. So they would say, I am a husband, or I am a son, or I am a father. They would write about their roles and their relationships that made them who they were. John, in our story today, is identified by his relationship to God and to Christ. By his relationship to God and Christ, that's his identity. Not so long ago, my mother moved into the Oklahoma Methodist Manor. The very first day she moved in after work, my wife Mary and I wanted to go by and see her. What we didn't know is they locked the front doors at 4.30 p.m. By the time I got off work and got with Mary and we drove over there, it was well past 4.30. We didn't know the doors were locked, so we went up and kind of grabbed them and shook them a little bit, and they weren't going to open. We could see the concierge desk, nobody there. There was one woman standing in the lobby she was wondering, you could tell, why was I rattling the doors? So she came over and said through the locked glass doors, what's your name? So I told her my name and my wife's name. She did not recognize them. She said, now who are you here to see? And I said my mother's name and she did not recognize it. I could tell by the look on her face. I said, well, she just moved in today. This is her very first day. We've come to see her. You could tell she was still suspicious, and she was not going to open the doors. So I decided to try this. I said, I am Reverend David Wiggs, and I'm the senior pastor at Boston Avenue United Methodist Church. She said, oh, no, I didn't recognize you, and she pushed open the door. But you could tell she was serious about checking our credentials. We didn't have the right name tag on. She wanted to be sure that we were safe and trustworthy before she went any further with us. These religious officials want to check John's credentials. They want to know who he is. Who are you? Why are you preaching? Why are you baptizing? You know, John was out in the country preaching and baptizing and beginning to create quite a stir. He had not gone through the regular religious protocols to be a preacher. He was not working in the temple. He didn't have those kind of credentials. But there's so many people that were leaving the city and going out into the country to listen to him preach that the religious authorities are getting a little nervous and so they send their emissaries out to see what is going on. Who is this fellow? Why is he preaching? What's he saying? They want to check him out. They want to know what he's all about. So they send their people and say, who are you? Who are you? John's answer to them is grounded in his faith. You hear it in verse 23 when he responds to their questions he says i am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness make straight the way of the lord as the prophet isaiah said 
John identifies himself as the one proclaiming that we need to make a path toward the Lord. We need to point people toward Christ. We need to make the path clear. And he's one who is doing that. But we also have other information that the text gives us. Remember what it said earlier in the chapter where we started reading in verse 6? It started like this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. John is one who's clear about his identity. How about you? I think there's three things in our text today that can help us prepare to be more effective witnesses and more effective Christians as we prepare our hearts and minds during this Advent season to be ready for Christmas Day. The first thing is that it is important to know ourselves, to claim our identity as a person of faith. So if someone asks, who are you as a person of faith? Who are you religiously or spiritually? We should have some answer. Lots of answers are possible. You could say, I'm a child of God. I'm one who testifies to the love of God. I'm one who is a sinner, but I know I'm beloved by God. So many different ways you might respond, but it's important as disciples of Jesus Christ that we have a response, that we know who we are, that we can articulate our faith and share it with someone else who might be asking, who are you? Last week, our United Methodist Bishop, James Nunn, who's the bishop for the whole Oklahoma area, was here preaching. He was preaching from the Isaiah text that John quotes today in our passage. And remember what he said when he was talking about that? This was his very first point. He said the first characteristic of a healthy Christian or healthy Christian church was compassion. Compassion. He says that's the first characteristic Compassion comes from a couple of Latin words, come, which means with, and then pathos or pathos, which means feeling. So compassion is the ability to feel with another or to suffer even with another, to be sensitive to the needs of someone else is what compassion is all about. And our bishop was saying that's one of the primary characteristics of our Christian identity is that we should start with compassion. We should be people that are sensitive to the needs of others and have compassion in our relationships with them. All this coming year and through the next year, we're going to be reading from lessons out of the Gospels. And what we're going to find over and over again is they emphasize this idea of compassion, this idea of love of God and love of neighbor in terms of how we live our lives and how that makes good news being proclaimed to the world through us, through followers of Christ. Compassion. You might say when someone asks, who are you? Oh, I'm a Christian. I'm a person who embodies compassion. There's a second thing here. 
The second thing of note here is the humility of John. John is a very humble person in this passage. These religious officials travel from the temple to come and talk about him. They want to know who he is. They want to talk about his identity. But do you notice that right away, he redirects them. As soon as he quotes Isaiah, he redirects their attention. You can hear it in verse 26 when John answers them. It says, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. Even though John has started a religious movement of renewal or revival, you could even say a religious revolution, he doesn't want to talk about himself because he's one who's pointing others toward Christ. He's making a path. He's making a way for the Lord. And so even though they're asking about, what do you say about yourself? He directs them toward Jesus Christ. He points them toward another. John is so humble in terms of his own role because he recognizes that role is to point any and all who might ask toward the Lord Jesus Christ. The third idea here that will help us become an effective witness as we begin to prepare or continue to prepare for Christmas comes in that very last verse. It would be easy to miss. The last verse, verse 28, simply says, this took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. But what it means is that John didn't go into the city. John didn't go into the capital. John didn't go to the temple. In fact, he didn't go to any religious institution to make his witness, to share his testimony. John was testifying to the light right where he lived, which in this case happened to be out in the countryside. The same could be true for you and me. Too often Christians begin to think that if they're going to make a really bold and effective witness for Christ, that somehow they have to pack up and move across the country or move out of the country to another place. No doubt, some are called to do just that. And for those who feel that calling, we support them and pray for them and encourage them. But that's not really the case for most of us. For most of us, the place god needs us to witness is right where we live just like john the baptist did where we buy groceries where we go to school where we go to work where we socialize god needs witnesses everywhere and we could be an effective witness right where we live with the people that we find ourselves interacting with each and every day. Robert Benson is a Christian author. He's written a number of books. Probably his most popular is called Living Prayer. He tells the story of a point in his life when he was working on a book and part of his routine every day was to go to a certain bookstore that also had a coffee shop. And he would get some coffee, then he would go and sit down and 
read and write. He said after he'd become a regular there and had been doing this for some time, he was getting his coffee one day when the young woman, who was the clerk and usually checked him out, said to him, you're religious, aren't you? And he said, well, yes, I am. Why do you say that? And she said, because the way you move through the world with such joy and hope. Because the way you move through the world with such joy and hope. She thought, oh, he's religious. Oh, maybe he's a Christian. Maybe he's a follower of that Jesus Christ fellow. Because the way he moved through the world was such joy and hope. I got to hear Robert Benson speak in the two-year Academy for Spiritual Formation. In one of the lectures he gave there, he was reminding us of the old story from the rabbis that reminds us that at death, we will not be asked, why were you not more like Moses you will be asked, why were you not fully you? Not Moses, but why were you not more fully you? If you believe that God has created you and brought you to this point, then be the one that God created. Vincent said, if God sent you, then be the one God sent. Be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. Witness to the love of God as you've experienced how you've experienced it in your life. Testify to the light the way that you know it, in your words, out of your lived experience. Be you. Be the you that God has created you to be. And you can testify to the light. If somebody saw you every day like that young woman saw Robert Benson, what would they see? What would they notice? What would they observe if they were following you around or seeing you every day? Would they know that you were a follower of His? Would they wonder if you were religious or spiritual, if you were a person of faith? Would there be any indication that someone might see and think, oh, maybe I know who they are. Who are you? They asked John. In that very first verse that we read today, verse 6, it says this. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And I've put something in your outline that says there was a person sent from God whose name was blank. And then I suggest in the outline that you write your name in the blank. So it would say that there's a person sent from God whose name was yours and yours and yours. What if we really believe that this Advent season? That God had created us and sent us here to testify to the light. John says, oh no, you're not the light. But you can testify to the light. And you can let others know about the light. What if we believed that God had sent us to be a witness so that all might come to believe that Jesus Christ truly is the light of the world. John says that's who he is, the true light 
coming into the world. May we be witnesses. Amen.